Hello and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. Here's Pastor Brock Meyer. That have been here at 6 a.m. from 6 to 7 to pray. And this is day 7 of our 10-day fast. Anybody feeling like this is day 70 of a 10-day fast? Yeah, yeah. Um, who would have thought that 10 days would drag on that long? Um, it's a big deal what we're doing. And for some who have never attempted a fast, um, much longer than, than um, intermittent fasting, you know, maybe a day or 18 hours, but to go 10 days is a big challenge that several people have, have taken. And whether you've been 100% committed or you've had, you know, a cheat meal here or there, um, I just want to say cheers to you for embarking on something that is a challenge, but that we see that we're called to in the scriptures, that we're being obedient to, um, to honor the Lord, and that it draws the attention of God. Um, he likes it. He likes obedience. Um, and he likes a people that, that seek him, not just in their comfort, but when they get uncomfortable in seeking him. Um, this morning, as I come to you, I want to confess to the church that I have been in a relationship. And before anybody freaks out or gets diarrhea, I need to say this quickly because this could really cause anxiety, stress. But I've been in a relationship with sugar. It's a relationship that's outside my marriage. It's a relationship that I sneak off to at night when no one's looking. I pretend like everything's okay, but it's a secretive relationship. I try to sneak in little encounters from time to time. This is a relationship where I crave her. I desire her. And whenever I don't get together with her, I miss her. <laughs> I get headaches when I'm not with her. I'm distraught. It's emotional. But during this fast, I broke up with sugar. We had a divorce where we have separated, we've gone in different directions. I cut that relationship off. And while I didn't want to, this is a relationship that needed a divorce. Would you stay in a relationship that you knew was abusing you? Would you stay in a relationship that, that you knew was destroying you physically that would lead to destroying you mentally and emotionally? Would you stay in that relationship knowing what it's doing to your body and to your mind? I was in an abusive relationship and I've never felt healthier being apart from my mistress, Sugar. I can't tell you that I'm completely healed from the breakup. There's still a longing 
Just the other day, we had made a pizza for our children. And just as I'm walking by, I want to reach out and grab a piece. And I have to remember, I don't like you. You abuse me and you hurt me. And we're having, we're having a breakup moment here. And not even that I needed dinner, it was just mindless eating. It's not even that I was hungry, it's just that it was available. And these have awakened, this fast has awakened, the best part of me would say, it's just awakened my lack of discipline. The worst part would say that it's awakened me that I'm, a, I'm an addict. There's an addiction. Perhaps have you gone over the course of time with this fast, your body is responding in addictive ways. There's withdrawals, there's headaches, there's our bowels are shifting and moving. I don't mean that to be gross, like literally biology is getting the code on our biology is being rewritten. Our bodies are responding to a different way of living. Maybe it's, it's spending time and fasting and in prayer and pushing away legitimate food. We're, we're hearing reports of people, their blood pressure has come down and, and their bodies are recalibrating and there's health. There's just healthy moves that are coming with the obedience of fasting. We don't want to be in bondage to anything. We want to be people that are set free from all things, where we live free, even from the power and the influence of food. I'm not saying that I won't have a rare occasional date in the future with sugar from time to time. Alyssa seems to be okay with it, as long as she can come along. <laughs> There'll be a re-engagement, but I'll tell you, the relationship's going to be different. And I'm going to have sugar, it will not have me. And whatever those other meals are, that I won't be a slave to anything else. That I will control my desires. That I will have self-governance. I will control my cravings. There will be no more animalistic things coming out, especially around the areas of food. It's interesting whenever we talk about, hey, how is your prayer and fasting time going. Many times we don't quickly go to, man, I'm seeing God, I'm seeing breakthroughs, oh, it's been incredible. What we usually hear is, it's so hard. Oh, I just need coffee. I just need a cookie. I just want a piece of meat. I want bacon. We bought vegetarian bacon that tastes nothing like bacon. Tastes like broccoli. Um, but they cut it in strips, and I don't know if they dyed it red or what. It looks like bacon. Um, and you can be fooled by outward appearances. Um, but you'll eat and see that it is deceptive. Maybe you have tried some different things, and I just want to encourage us to not look at all of the bummers of following Jesus and look at all of the disciplines that it requires to be obedient. And to say, man, I'm going to make a sacrifice, but in my sacrificing, I'm going to complain. I'm going to make some sacrificial complainings along the way. In these last three days that we have, let's go all in on gratitude, on, on in the self-denial, looking to Jesus being the one thing that sustains us, that you're the one thing that I need, you're the thing that I sneak off to in the middle of the night, you're the thing that I crave. 
I'm shifting my want to and my desires are now moving. The things that I used to love, I now hate. The things that I used to hate, I now love. There's like a, a pivot and a shifting taking place in our hearts. I'll tell you, spiritual disciplines bear weight on our physical bodies as well. There's just a renewedness, perhaps, of, of, of energy, of vitality, of life, of uh, loss of weight, of clarity of mind. There's just a lot of things that can happen. Whenever Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Abednego whenever they went on their 10-day fast, they stood before the governors to kind of give an assessment. They said, you guys look better than all of the other students in this internship. You look good, dude. Physically, you look good. Daniel and, and, and his buddies, they went another 11 days. They went on a 21-day fast from this. Cornelius Plantiga, he says this, self-indulgence is the enemy of gratitude. And self-discipline, usually it's friend and generator. That is why gluttony is a deadly sin. The early desert fathers, they believe that a person's appetites are linked. Full stomachs and jaded palates take the edge from our hunger and thirst for righteousness. They spoil the appetite for God. Whenever we look at spiritual disciplines, many times I think of the Christian life. I come to Jesus, you save me, give me a lot of grace. Life is good. Not realizing that perhaps there's something asked of me. And there's some disciplines, there's some Bible readings where I need to sit down before the Lord and read these holy scriptures. It really does come down to some values. And to say, man, I value Jesus, and I value my faith in him, and I value pursuing him. And then we want to see if there's any connected behaviors to that value. What, what are the behaviors that show me that this value is really important? Well, I don't really go to church. I never spend time in prayer. I don't give. I don't read my Bible. I don't read any other really religious materials. I'm not really connected to a spiritual family. Fasting, I hate fasting. No way. But let me tell you, I love Jesus. Man, faith in Jesus is such a big deal. And I'll tell you, to have a value that you have no activity or behaviors that are, are pointing in that direction, maybe we should question if that value really bears weight inside of us. These spiritual disciplines lead us into a deeper relationship with Jesus. The Quaker theologian Richard Foster, he's the author of The Celebration of Disciplines. This book is one of the all-time iconic, classic books um, on the spiritual disciplines. But Foster defines fasting as the voluntary denial of a normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity. This has been intense. The intensity is not going to slow down these last three days. There's going to be a continual thrusting of engagement into the person and the presence of Jesus. And to come in early and just to hang in the presence, even whenever it's not maybe appealing to you, even maybe if it's dull and boring, and might I say, especially pressing through when it's dull and it's boring. 
It's hanging in the game. It's doing something out of obedience and love and affection and saying, God, I'm expecting that you're going to meet me. That, that when I push away the pizza, I get the presence. That I'm going to, to pursue and push and press until I get a hold of something bigger in the person of Jesus Christ. It really are these disciplines that have awakened me to my lack of discipline or even my addictions. In Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 12, it says this, Oh, how I hated discipline, how my heart despised correction. I didn't listen to what my teachers said to me, nor did I keep my ear open to my instructors. I almost reached total ruin in the assembly and in the congregation. Each person's ways are clearly seen by the Lord, and he surveys all of his actions. A wicked person will be trampled by his own wrongdoings, and he will be caught in the ropes of his own sin. He will die for his lack of discipline and stumble around because of his great stupidity. The Bible doesn't mince words right there. The undisciplined person will die because you're stupid. Whew! That's rough, isn't it? If you can't say amen, just say ouch. <laughs> My lack of discipline leads to a sloppy life. And sloppy lives end early. Mm. And say, man, there's just some things that I need to button up in my life. Some self-denial where I glutton myself at the world's table. Where I need to push away legitimate delicacies or even legitimate needs. Obviously, our bodies need food, but we're pushing it away and not acting like we're smarter than God on this one. What fasting has done for me, fasting has, has helped me overcome the temptation to say that I'm wiser than God on what my body needs and what my spirit needs and what my body can handle. I'm not smarter than you on this one. You're calling me into a fast and I'm going to do it. I'm going to discipline my body. I'm going to believe that you are going to sustain me. You're the thing that will feed me. You created this body and you can sustain it for a few days. We're going in with this mentality of, of discipline, having an edge about us on our spirit. There's, what this has done is it's brought a deeper desire for more and more disciplines in the areas of my life. It's awakened me up to other sloppy areas where they just need to get sharp and excellent. Aristotle put it this way. He said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but it's a habit. It's a habit. And if we want to live these excellent lives where we know the Lord and we're good in the presence and we pray power and, and, and things move and happen, or, or when you show up to the office and you're sharp and you're good and you're locked in and whenever you're parenting and you just have clarity, you know what to do and how to respond and how to lead and you need to make a certain decision and man, you have just 
kept your spirit saturated in the presence all week and your mind is focused and sharp, there is an excellence that comes when our habits are really good before the Lord. It's the habits of prayer time. It's the habits and these disciplines of fasting. It's the habits of Bible reading and being in the presence. Like these are our habits. And when you begin to habit stack, there's habit stacking that's taking place. You can just bump down one of those dominoes, and man, it's going to lead to a really good life. But we also have some pretty bad habits, don't we? Don't we? Don't we? And what we eat and these other habits of we got into the habit, and not because we had one bad meal, but I just got into just the habit. This is just what we do and what we eat, not just because I had one cigarette, but it just led to more and more, and I've just gotten into the habit of smoking, not just because I had one whatever that led into some bad habits. I just kind of show up late. It's what I do. Everybody knows, oh, that's, that's just Brock. Ah, he'll be late. There's the, there's the 850 guys, and there's the 905 guys. You just know, you're just always the 905 guy. Just, we just built in these habits where it's okay, your sloppiness is okay. And saying, man, no more. Like there's some things in life that need some discipline. They need some attention. They need to be locked in. And the lack of discipline will lead to my death. Either I'll lose a job, I'll lose a marriage, I'll lose some, some kids or relationships, maybe even my life. And wanting to lock it in on some of these areas. The average and the mediocrity that I can approach these places is just a soft man just a soft approach and it's playing small rather than believing in a big god and mediocrity is the enemy of excellence and average is at war with excellence i mean they're fighting foes and i want to slay all of those areas that just don't look like jesus that just aren't leading me into the best life if perhaps I would look at my radical approach and my radical obedience to Jesus, I would say, it's middle of the road. I'm kind of indifferent to it. I'm not really passionate about it. Um, then maybe this would be a time to engage in prayer and fasting and see if he would meet you like he's meeting me. He's awakening so much more inside of me. But you won't be excellent on accident. Excellence and accidents don't happen. You become excellent with daily disciplined decisions. So our behaviors really are the makeup of the decisions that we have made over the course of time. Many decisions made that are moving in the same direction, they create a consistent behavior pattern. Decisions made moving in the same direction create a consistent behavior pattern. And consistent behaviors over the course of time ingrain into us concrete behaviors. Let's walk this out. Decisions that I'm making in the same direction over the course of time are creating consistent behaviors. And consistent behaviors moving in the same direction create these concrete habits. And my life is made up of a series of decisions and habits that I have decided over the course of my life. 
I realize that I make so many deci- sloppy decisions because just out of habit, I just eat the pizza. Just out of habit, I just go home and watch mindless television. Don't discipline my mind to read or to spend time in prayer. Nope, I check out. I'm making these decisions that become my habits, and my habits are producing whatever life I currently have. It's on no one else. I've decided this life. I've decided whether to stay in that job that I don't like or to press through and say, man, there's, there's something more. I don't want to play small. I'm going for this thing. I've made decisions over the course of time to, to play scared or be in fear. And maybe you're saying, nope, I'm going to pivot and I'm going to start making some other decisions that are going to start leading to some consistent behaviors where I have consistent behaviors that are moving in the right direction. They're going to create new habits. And I'm going to create a new life. Researchers say this, that we do what we do based upon what we believe about ourselves. Or I could say this, you do what you do based upon what you believe about you. And if you believe that you are sharp and you are excellent, then you bring that. If you believe that you're not worth it and, and you have no value, then you start living into that story. Isn't that something? Here's something else, is we also make decisions based upon the level that we can trust ourselves. Anybody ever, you say something and you know as soon as it comes out of your mouth, you're not going to do it. You know, you make January 1st, anybody make some decisions, some New Year's resolutions? Man, for 365 days, this is what I'm going to pursue and what I'm going to be about it. And on the inside, there's an inner voice that says, you know you won't do that. You're a liar. And you've been a liar for a decade because it's the same resolution every year. You won't do it. And so what happens is the strongest voice in our life, which is our own, we identify it as a liar. And then we don't trust it. And we move into these places of a lack of trust, and and then it feels lonely. I can't trust anyone, even myself. It feels isolating. It's isolation, and then we just move into failure because that's the story that's going on. I just know this story. i got to play my role in this story. And now Brock becomes the failure, January 3rd. And we play into this stuff. And so here's also what research is saying is, then how do I change my mind to think differently so that then I start living this way? Your, your, your belief system is leaning up against your past record, your history, based upon your, your past performance. Because you know what you do and what you won't do. But what you do is based upon what you believe about yourself. Which comes first, the chicken or the egg? So supernaturally, we're asking, God, would you renew my mind? Give me a renewal of my mind and a renewal of my thinking. As a man thinks, so he is. And so we're asking the Lord just for a fresh renewal in our mind, a disciplined mind, that I would start just, I'm just going to make 1% better today. I'm going to be 1% better today. I'm going to make a disciplined daily decision today. I'm going to start moving in the same direction. And here I go. I'm just going to take back my evenings 
and it's not going to be mindless checking out. I'm just going to start taking back every evening. I'm going to submit it to the Lord. I'm going to get extra family time. I'm going to read a book. I'm going to spend some time in prayer. I'm just going to start taking back my evenings. Maybe for, for you, it is last minute and you are running out the door last second to get wherever you are going in your mornings. And you're going to say, no more. I'm going to start, I'm going to master my mornings. I'm the master of my mornings. I, sleep does not control me. I control it. I can get up. I'm not sloppy. I'm excellent. I'm sharp. I am going to lead my life in this way. And I'm just going to start taking back some ground where maybe I've given it up way too early and start habit stacking in this way. Fasting exposes much in us. Donald Whitney, he writes in his book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, he writes this, the Bible does not teach that fasting is a kind of spiritual hunger strike that compels God to do our bidding. If we ask for something outside of God's will, fasting does not cause him to reconsider. Fasting does not change God's hearing so much as it changes our praying. I've noticed that my praying is different. I have more of a selfless praying rather than me and me and me. When you move into phases of self-denial, it really does highlight and open up. God, I need to focus outwardly. And maybe not as much selfish prayers, but I start thinking of others in my prayers. Craig Rochelle in his book called The Power to Change, he writes this. Discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. What I want most over what I want now. Perhaps what you want most is an encounter with Jesus. But what you want now is to take a nap. <laughs> what you want most is to lose 20 pounds and get really healthy so that you can be active and play with your grandkids and, and run and climb trees and have fun and engage a next generation. But what you want now is you want a whole tin of Buckeyes that the church family continues to drop off, which we're very grateful. <laughs> Bring them all January 18th. Is what I want now in this moment, and, and can, I, can I be mature enough and in control enough to sacrifice the now for the best? It really is a choice of shifting. Fasting is not about delight, but it's about denial. And in those places of denying the lesser pleasures, we find a much greater delight. We find Jesus. Check out King David. He wrote this. He went on an extended fast that was intense spiritual warfare. Psalm 109, verse 24, he says, My knees give way from fasting. My body is thin and gaunt. There's this spiritual denial that King David is going through. Fasting is a way of overcoming all of these other temptations and it's saying, God, I'm not smarter than you. I'm not going to be slick and crafty. I'm just going to obey and believe that you'll meet me here, even if it costs me. David says, my body is frail, I'm weak, my knees are giving up, I can't even walk. <laughs> David said, I get it, dude. I get it. I'm in it with you. This is intense. But here's how we want to boil this down. Sometimes it might feel overwhelming to make a New Year's resolution. 
to say, man, for 365 days, I'm going to do whatever. And can we just boil it down to one 24-hour period and say, today, I'm locked in on today. And for today, I'm going to bring my best. And for today, I'm going to bring joy. For today, I'm going to bring a judgment-free zone. Today, I'm going to bring my healthiest, best self. Today, there's not a critic that lives within me. Today, I'm full of grace. Today, I'm locked in on this fast and on this prayer. Today, whatever those disciplines are, can you go all in for one 24-hour period? And then wake up the next morning and say, you know what? I just proved that I can lock it in for one 24-hour period. I'm going to go after one more, one 24-hour period. And start habit stacking in this direction. It really can be that practical of taking on a whole new life of a practical fighting to take over. It's not even that we need to look at an entire year. We're just trying to get through 10 days, right? We're just looking at 10 days. Perhaps even 10 days seems like too much. Then let's just go one day at a time. One day at a time. Little steps. Sometimes little steps end up leading on a pretty long journey to a much better life. In Luke 16, verse 10, it says, if you are faithful in the little things, you'll be able to be faithful in the larger ones. But if you're dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. John Calvin, one of the greatest theologians, he said this, whenever men are to pray to God concerning any great matter, it would ex expedient to appoint fasting along with prayer. I don't know. I've prayed for years for things that I just don't see breakthroughs for. And then I'll add fasting to it, and it's like it's exponentially quicker. It's like the hack. It's like someone hacked the code. It's like fasting is, is the ultimate game hack that it expedites what's going on in the supernatural realm. David Brainerd was a young um, revivalist, sort of a, of a young man. He had a mission to um, Native Americans. He was a spiritual son to Jonathan Edwards, Jonathan Edwards who led the Great Awakening. Jonathan Edwards, who's one of the heavy hitters, a pillar in the faith of theology. David Brainerd actually lived with Jonathan Edwards. And Jonathan Edwards came down with, or I'm sorry, David Brainerd came down with this illness and this sickness, and Edwards and his family took care of David Brainerd. Actually, Jonathan Edwards' daughter helped take care of David Brainerd, and they fell in love. They got married. There's nothing like having a little health care, fall in love with the patient sort of relationship, I guess. But this is what happened as he's staying in Jonathan Edwards' home. These two men went hard, radical pursuit of Jesus, and you couldn't even roll with these two dudes unless you fasted two days a week. They had a particular group. We are those that pursue passionately Jesus Christ, and there's, there's no kind of soft disciplines here. We're all in pursuit. If you don't want to, man, we love you, but this group is for those that are going to fast two days a week. That was David Brainerd and Jonathan Edwards. Brainerd writes in his journal entry, this is June 14, 1742, I set apart this day for secret fasting and prayer. 
to entreat God to direct and bless me with regard to the great work I have in view of preaching the gospel. God enabled me to wrestle ardently in intercession for absent friends. The Lord visited me marvelously in prayer. I think my soul never was in such agony before. I felt no restraint in it, for the treasures of divine grace were open to me. I wrestled for absent friends, for the ingathering of souls, for multitudes of poor souls, and for many that I thought were the children of God personally in many distant places. He comes into this place where he moves and he's just crying out for the broken. He says, my soul is in agony as I think about friends that are, that are far from God. There's something that fasting does that awakens, it shakes, it rattles the inner man. You can't be dormant anymore. I will awaken you. I'm stirring and causing that sleeping giant to begin to awaken. Finally here, I'll close with this. There is a fight between who you are and everything you want. That's what I want. Unfortunately, this is who I am. And in, for, in order for who I am to get to where I want, there is a fight between that space. It's, that's the marriage that I want. This is the reality of where we're at. And man, are we going to wrestle through and fight through some hard stuff, but we're going to get there. This is the person, this is the leader in my home that I desire to be. Bummer is, this is who I am. But in order to get there, I'm going to fight, I'm going to make some decisions, I'm going to create some new habits, I'm going I'm to deny myself and get things out of my life, I'm going to reshift my mind. Even people are reshifting their body and their blood is reshifting in their, in their bodies right now, and I'm going to go after something with very practical steps in a supernatural way. There's a fight. It won't just be handed to us easily, these spiritual disciplines. And so I just end with these two questions. What's the thing that is stalling your spiritual disciplines? What is it? Is it just an, I'm just not interested, really, in that depth of a pursuit of Jesus? Or I really just enjoy my bed. Dude, I got this new overstuffed comforter for Christmas. If you only knew, it's hard. It's hard to get out. Is there an addiction to food? I've seen that happen in my life. Are our lives so busy that we actually don't even have time for Jesus? What's the thing that's stalling? And then this one. What are some decisions that you're going to make that are going to start creating consistent behavior and new habits in life? Saying, Jesus, this is where I want to go, and I'm going to fight for this thing. I'm going to deny myself for this thing. I am going to get a hold of you. I am not going to die from stupidity and lack of discipline. I will go after everything that you've called and created me to become. And really pursuing in a way like that. Perhaps for some of you, you started on this fast 
got a few days in and gave up. The enemy is a liar, and he wants to tell you that you're a failure, that you're a loser. I just want to say, awesome that you went for a couple days. I want to encourage you to jump back in on the tail end of this for the next three days. We're going until Wednesday. Just saying, man, I want to finish what I started. If there's any swirling that's going on that you're just feeling like a heaviness from a lack of discipline, we want to, to lift that off so that we can run light and free but with conviction in our bellies, Ugh, fighting for what Jesus says is good and noble. Whatever thing is, is pure and noble, think upon these things. Whatever thing is excellent, let your mind dwell upon these things. Now we would go after those. So here in just a moment, we're going to pray for a renewal of our mind, a washing over of our mind. As a man thinks, so he is. That the Lord just rinse us from the inside out, that he would make a disciplined church, a full and complete bride, a passionate church that loves him with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their mind, and with all of their strength. If you're in agreement with this this morning, and you just say, man, pray for me, I want that. I want to be locked in. I just want to dial it in. There's a few things I just need to button up, and I just want to bring them before the Lord. And God, I need you supernaturally to help me in very practical ways. Would you just stand to your feet? I just want to pray. If you're just hungry for more, and you need a breakthrough, and there's disciplined decisions, Jesus, help me power through and bust through this thing. We're just going to pray right now. Jesus, I pray over a church that lives free. God, that we have no shackles. That there's nothing upon us that's holding us back. There's, there's no addiction that will keep us locked in. There's no excuse that keeps us from pursuing and pressing in and passionately going after you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for a, for a church that dials it in and that has you as the one thing. That we're not too busy, that we're not stressed out about other things, but we just live at your feet and we live in the face of Jesus. God, those that have been fasting and praying for this last week, we ask you for breakthroughs. We boldly and confidently approach your throne and say, Jesus, we've done what you've called us and you've asked us to do. And with obedient and humble hearts, but confidently, we now ask you for breakthroughs. We ask you for healings to take place. We ask you for, for, for that you would bind up broken hearts. We ask you that you would restore and heal families and marriages. Jesus, we ask you for breakthrough in, in bodies. We rebuke cancer off of people's lives right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, we pray that this would be a, a health zone. When people walk in, they feel and have an encounter with a supernatural God that restores health and life. God, we ask you that you would reshape our minds and our thinking, that we would begin to think with the mind of God, that you would set free the captive in our minds. We pray for a supernatural renewing of our minds now, in Jesus' name. But I pray for a church that makes excellent decisions, that leads to excellent lives, that knows their God in supernatural and very practical ways. Mm. In Jesus' name, amen.
So we're so glad that you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast.